Hey, I'm Tom Power. I'm the host of the podcast Q with Tom Power, where we talk to all kinds of artists, actors, writers, musicians, painters. We had Green Day on the other day talking about their huge album, American Idiot. Nicole Byer came on to talk about ADHD and comedy. And then there's Dan Levy. While we were talking about filmmaking, we talked about his insecurities. I sometimes feel like I have this desire to, like, perform, to be a version of myself that people might like. Listen to Q with Tom Power to hear your favorite artists as they truly are wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. If you've been following the news, you've probably heard more than a few mentions of something called monkeypox. It's a viral infection that is unlike covid Typically, it's found most often in parts of Africa, but the current outbreak in its early stages has shown up in the UK, Spain, Portugal, the US, parts of Canada, even Australia. And that's just one of several things that doctors find puzzling. So this week, we're asking, what do I need to know about monkeypox? Hi, Lenora. Welcome back to The Dose. Thanks for having me again. Did you think we'd be talking about yet another virus this year? (laughs) You know, if I had imagined talking about another virus, I would not necessarily have guessed monkeypox, I'll be honest. I mean, it's kind of on the radar in a a low-key way, but I I did not necessarily expect multi-country monkeypox outbreak. Can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it? Hi, my name is Dr. Lenora Saxinger. I'm an infectious diseases specialist at the University of Alberta. And I'm interested in many things, actually, and I guess now one of them is monkeypox. So what exactly is monkeypox? Well, I mean, monkeypox is a pox virus. So there's a family of viruses that are related to smallpox. And smallpox was the family member that infected humans, and we eradicated it around 1980. And many people who are over the age of 50 or 50 and up have had smallpox vaccines. Most people under 50 have not, unless they're in the military. So the human pox virus is gone, but there's a whole bunch of other, you know, pox viruses that can affect other animals. My recollection from undergrad was that it was described in lab monkeys, although it's more common in nature in in rodents mostly. And so in the past, when we've seen outbreaks of monkeypox, which is clinically very similar to smallpox, it's usually been associated with close contact with animals. There was a pet store-based outbreak in around 2003 that was, you know, international. And also people who are in close contact with people who've acquired infection from an animal. So usually they don't have very, very large outbreaks, but it is a significant illness. How similar is it clinically and in other ways to smallpox? The pox themselves, like the skin lesions, are very similar. They're kind of more of a deep-seated blister appearance that almost looks like a pustule. Um, and they, they don't kind of break down as easily as the ones that we see with the herpes viruses, like herpes itself or, or um, chickenpox virus and shingles. The vesicles in the animal-type cases are often on the hands but can appear anywhere on the body. And in the cases that we've been seeing, many of which are spread through kind of more intimate contact, there's also lesions of the mouth and the genitals and the hands and then anywhere else on the body. Both illnesses can start off with feeling feverish and achy and generally viral and miserable. Then the rash might appear after. And another early signal of monkeypox versus some of the other blistering skin type illnesses that we we see more commonly is that they can have lymph node swelling early on as well. So that can be an early sign too. 
one of the major motivations for eradicating smallpox was that you could die of smallpox. Uh, can you die of monkeypox? Is it as severe? You can die of monkeypox. I mean, it can be a severe viral illness, and in, in people who have really widespread skin lesions, you know, they can run into problems with, you know, fluid balance and things like that as well. There's two main strains of monkeypox. One of them seems to have a much higher case fatality ratio than the other. The strain that has been cropping up in all these different um, countries appears to be the less severe strain, and so the maximum case fatality ratio in the outbreaks that have been described so far, like in highly endemic countries, which are mostly in Central and West Africa, is more in the kind of 3 to 5% range, which would be much higher than you'd expect in places where maybe there is better access to medical care earlier on and, and so on. So, you know, in the absence of supportive care, you might actually find that that mortality rate would be higher. But on the other hand, there's, you know, in the cases that have been reported in the literature and in the cases in the more highly endemic countries, it, it's most common that people are ill for two to four weeks and recover. COVID, of course, is a respiratory virus that's transmitted through coughing plus, you know, oral and nasal secretions. How does monkeypox get from person to person? I mean, the, the pattern to date, and I have to say it that way because, you know, we have to keep an open mind and investigate the heck out of everything, but the pattern to date has really been one of close contact. Pretty much all of them had physical contact, for example, with a pet prairie dog or pet Gambian giant rat that had been infected in transit from from Africa and then they distributed them through the US or were in close contact with a case. Um, people, you know, are probably most infectious with the rash present because the rash itself can be quite loaded with virus. And rather like the history of smallpox, you know, there there was one case of transmission to a healthcare worker or in a healthcare setting anyway, where it really looked like the, um, the transmission was from handling the bedding of someone who had, you know, a widespread rash. And so there was enough virus from, you know, these nasty lesions that that patient had that the, the person handling the bedding got it from that. Now that is not something that flies under the radar. That's not like sharing an elevator with someone. Um, no, and the yeah. current outbreak pattern really appears to be in a, you know, very specific social networks of men who have sex with men predominantly so far. And in those cases, there's, you know, a history of very close contact again. So skin to skin type contact or, or a body fluid type contact. But you're not saying that uh, monkeypox is a sexually transmitted infection. You mentioned that, that some of the cluster of cases involves men having sex with men, but this is not a sexually transmitted infection. No, not it? in the classic sense. I mean, really what we're talking about is people who are in contact with other people. It's not a sexually transmitted disease in the classic sense that we know about. And it really has to do with probably people with very, very early infection um, and infection getting into a network before it was clinically obvious. And then, of course, in a way, because that population tends to be, I guess, fairly hooked in with, with health care and preventative care, they started to actually notice a pattern of people coming to sexual health clinics and to primary care with this unusual rash, and that's how it was identified quite quickly. So uh, I, I think that um, people should just consider this a virus that most easily transmits with close contact with an infected other person, because at the moment what we're seeing is human-to-human -human transmission. And, uh, and so the, the measures that would be most important in terms of preventing monkeypox would really be not applying yourself to other people <laughs> who might be at risk of monkeypox. 
I don't think the average person walking around has to carry extra fear of this infection. But just because it's actually quite a long uh, incubation period, like in one study, um, the time from the rash in the index case to the rash in their contacts was eight days or longer. We will continue to see cases from even people who have already been exposed for the next while. So the numbers will continue to go up for a bit. The sample size is small, and these are very early days. So it's very hard to be definitive about you know, how this is going to play out in a larger population. Have I got that yeah, right? Yeah, because, I mean, we, we haven't really seen such an extensive kind of network-based spread of this infection, and it, it might end up being kind of a bit of a an up and down kind of course where, you know, if someone has a lot of close contacts and, you know, they're not contact trace, we might see little flurries, I would say, of infection in different locations. Based on what we know right now, how readily is this particular strain of monkeypox transmitted? Well, I think that, um, you know, the pox viruses, because they're usually transmitted person to person through close contact, um, is quite readily transmitted from someone who's infected. And, you know, they might be infected and not yet know what it is when they're able to transmit. Although I believe most transmission actually happens around and after the onset of the rash. And so that makes it a little bit easier to control. And in most uh, outbreaks, there's been, you know, that I'm aware of and that I can recall over the last number of years reported from Central and West Africa, there's usually like two or three generations, like two or three sets of people infected um, before things can be brought under control by the time it's identified and, you know, contact tracing and isolation is put into place. Now, one big thing about this would be, it would appear to be, I think, more highly transmissible because you get this huge number of cases all at once, but all those cases could be exposed kind of in the same kind of setting. And so a large number of contacts to a single infected case doesn't mean that it's more transmissible. It kind of means that it was a a high-risk event with someone who was very um, likely to transmit infection. It doesn't actually speak to the virus itself, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of what we're seeing right now is related to network spread, more so than the virus changing from what the virus has usually done. Lenora, can you say a little more about what you mean by network spread? Well, I think that the the stories that have been emerging in terms of the contact tracing of known cases is that there may have been some, you know, events where there was a lot of contact between a, a person with active infection and other people, like something along the lines of a convention or gatherings that by their nature had a lot of intimate contact. And so, and, and also if these events were something that people travel to, that would facilitate international spread. And so it, the whole thing doesn't necessarily look like a change in monkeypox so much as, um, you know, the fact there, there is a background of monkeypox around and that someone transmissible actually got into a highly networked situation where there was a lot of exposures and, and then international spread. I would be surprised if we found that the virus was very significantly different than it has been all along, but, but the spread itself, the pattern of spread has been related to those initial exposure events. And I do think that it will be possible to bring this under control through, through good, you know, contact tracing, isolation and awareness, and that it's going to be super important for people to not necessarily make any assumptions that it's sexually transmitted because it's close contact transmitted, or that certain groups of people are higher risk than others, because really it's just people who are in contact with other people who are at risk. And also, I don't think people should assume that, um, you know, spread beyond 
the networks and close contacts is highly likely either. I don't think this poses, or it doesn't stand to pose a big threat to kind of the average person walking around. And fortunately, you know, all the measures that people have been doing to prevent COVID actually would also, you know, like distancing and being judicious about your contacts would also tend to be preventative against monkeypox as well. We'll be right back. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Forgive me, I keep reflecting back on on COVID because that's what everybody's experience is right now. We know that some people infected with COVID can infect others before they have symptoms. Is the same true for monkeypox? I believe so, because most of the febrile rash illnesses very early in onset when people people actually have, you know, a phase that we call viremia where the virus is widespread in the body. During that period, people do tend to be able to transmit infection, and that usually is something that happens just before a rash onset. And I do think most people, if they were developing some weird rash, would not necessarily be going out and being in contact with people as much, right? I think that most infection historically actually is spread from people with, you know, a rash already. But I think early symptoms and early spread probably has something to do with what we're seeing now. I know you talked a bit about the symptoms before. Can you review them again? What are the the typical symptoms of uh, monkeypox? My understanding, at least in the historical monkeypox and from what I know right now, is that um, symptoms might begin with, you know, feeling achy and unwell, having a headache, developing fever. And all those things would happen before the onset of rash. You could have sore throat with that as well. And so it really would just feel like a generalized viral illness. And then lymph node um, swelling, so lymphadenopathy, which is a little different than a lot of other illnesses. So lymphadenopathy is important to notice. And then development of the rash. And, you know, some of the pictures I've seen going around are actually pictures of smallpox or else um, from, you know, earlier monkeypox reports that show really densely packed rash. But, you know, the clinical cases I've seen shared by colleagues, they're sometimes much more scattered rash. So just a few um, lesions of rash in different parts of the body. Uh, Are certain ages more susceptible to this virus than others? You know, in the past, especially uh, early in the monkeypox stories, I think it's probably because this was being spread by small, furry, cute mammal animals, um, kids actually were more likely to be diagnosed with monkeypox. And the other reason for that kind of tendency towards the young is that a lot of people over the age of 50 have had smallpox vaccination. And smallpox vaccination would be, you know, likely is considered to be protective against monkeypox. I'm glad you've mentioned the smallpox vaccine because we've heard that Canada's chief public health officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, as well as public health officials in various countries, including the United States and elsewhere, have uh, suggested that smallpox vaccine may be used to protect against monkeypox. Do we have any idea how effective it would be? It's thought to be around 85% effective against getting disease and probably also effective at limiting, you know, how severe it might get. And um, there's not a lot of super direct data because this is a sporadic kind of epidemic illness. But in some prior outbreaks, they actually did use ring vaccination. So they'd go to a place that was having cases 
and um, offer vaccine to people who'd been exposed or were at risk. And because the virus has a fairly long incubation time, early vaccination is actually part of control as well. And um, that's been done even in the outbreak in the UK where there was transmission to one healthcare worker. They're getting the toolbox ready and, and there's a new version of the vaccine and then there's the old version of the vaccine, smallpox vaccine, both of which might be relevant here. And there's also a couple of antiviral drugs which might be relevant as well if, if necessary. Public health officials have said that the U.S. has enough supply of smallpox vaccine for every American. Not that necessarily every American would want it. You know, we've certainly been following the uptake of COVID vaccines. But do we, what do we know about Canada? Does Canada have enough vaccine for every Canadian? I, I think that there, of course, are stockpiles of um, the newly licensed vaccine or the relatively newly licensed vaccine. I think there's the older stockpiles of smallpox vaccine as well. And there's also um, Health Canada had licensed one of the antiviral drugs as well. Smallpox preparedness um, program setting. I do not know the number of doses that are available, but as you point out, I think that an initial vaccination strategy would really be targeting people who are exposed or in networks of risk first um, before considering more widespread deployment. And I would be surprised if we actually had to move to something like that. As somebody who's now uh, following uh, the, the outbreak of monkeypox, what do you want to know about it that we don't know right now? You know, I, I actually think a lot of the questions I have right now really are, are to do with the, like, how did we manage to see such intensive transmission over this period of time? And if it is, in fact, kind of the high exposure, highly infectious kind of network phenomenon, or if there's something else at play. I know people are already working on, you know, sequencing the virus and making sure that it doesn't look like there's a significant change in the virus itself that would account for a change in transmission. I think that that's much less likely. I, I think it's an emerging infectious disease and it has emerged and, and we've got unlucky in terms of how, it's, how it was spread initially and that it will actually improve. I, I think that we're going to have to really watch closely in terms of any evidence of different types of transmission, like what the dominant transmission is, and also whether it's clinically different in this, in this um, outbreak versus prior outbreaks of monkeypox. And finally, I know you've already said it. I want to give you the opportunity to say it again. How concerned should we be about monkeypox based on what we know so far? You know, I, I think the average person um, does not have to be concerned about monkeypox um, in terms of a threat to themselves. I think that um, there, there will be some continued spread, again, in a networked way of people who are in contact with individuals who are infected, but that I think that it'll be relatively containable. Had this occurred at any other time in history, I think that it would deserve you know, a fair amount of press because it's, a, it's an example of an emerging infectious disease, and we do need to pay attention to these, and we have to make sure that we're ready for them. But you know, compared to you know, COVID-19, which is an ongoing pandemic, this is really, I, I would say, very secondary and um, would be a consideration that most people don't have to take into account when they're planning what they're doing. They should still be focusing on being healthy and safe and getting vaccinated for COVID uh, rather than monkeypox. Well, Dr. Lenora Saxinger, I want to thank you for uh, giving us the ins and outs of this uh, new virus to uh, pay attention to and especially for allaying our concerns. Thank you for speaking with me. Always a pleasure. Dr. Lenora Saxinger is an infectious diseases specialist with the University of Alberta. Here's your dose of smart advice. 
Monkeypox is a virus that is related to smallpox, but milder. It causes fever, aches and pains, and a bumpy rash. COVID, which is a respiratory virus, is transmitted through oral, nasal, and respiratory secretions. Monkeypox is spread through skin-to-skin contact. It's not a sexually transmitted infection. The virus is typically endemic to parts of Africa. Researchers aren't certain why it's causing outbreaks in parts of Europe, North America, and Australia. Public health experts believe that the smallpox vaccine should provide some protection against monkeypox. Developed nations like Canada and the U.S. carry stockpiles of both the old and newer versions of smallpox vaccine. At least two antiviral medications can be given to people with severe symptoms of monkeypox. Health officials say that people should avoid close contact with someone who is ill and has a rash, as well as those who are unwell. People who suspect they have the virus should isolate and seek medical care. Experts say the current outbreak can be contained. It turns out that many of the infection control measures started for COVID, like hand washing, are also effective against monkeypox. We'll be keeping an eye on it. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat, hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Amina Zoffer. Technical support was by Tim Lorimer. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.